Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Uh, well, we kicked off a series where, honestly, we are looking at the book of Galatians. We are just tracking through. We covered Galatians chapter 1 last week. Guess what? We're in week 2 of the series. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2. Um, but we're not kicking this off with Galatians. We're kicking it off with another idea that dovetails, but that was written and said by the same guy who wrote Galatians. If you're new to church, um, there's a guy named Paul, um, Apostle Paul. He wrote uh, the bulk of the New Testament. He wrote the uh, letter to the church in the region of Galatia, and he also wrote a couple of letters uh, to the believers in Corinth. And before we jump into that, Uh, Just go ahead and take your bulletin, take whatever it is you're going to track along with, and let's look at this idea that in Christ, we are free. We are free to live under the reign of Jesus. He's done it for all of us. We are free. And then this Paul, he wrote in his second letter to the believers in Corinth, he wrote this. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where we embrace his lordship, that's where we're free. That's where we get this tension of free reign. And if you're new this week, I know I misspelled it. I did it on purpose. I know it's a horse term and not a kingdom term. But this place where it feels like it's a connection with or a disconnect to have free and have something reigning. And really in the kingdom, that is where it really works. We find our freedom where we let him reign in our lives. And as we lean more into the lordship of Jesus, we find ourselves more and more and more free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And it says, and we all, we all, we together, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. And I I covered this last week, this Wording is a little strange, but this unveiled is an Old Testament reference um, where Moses experienced the glory of God. Um, It affected his physical being where he began to basically glow. Um, But then that glowing began to get less and less and less. So he covered it up. He put a veil on it um, because he didn't want people to get him dimmer, to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And like he was being turned down like a light bulb or something. And so he, was, he, so he covered himself up till it was all over. Um, but it says, we're the opposite. We're getting brighter and brighter and brighter. So we don't have to cover ourselves up. Um, if the things that aren't quite right in me right now, if I can give them to God, um, and you come back a little later, hopefully they're gonna be a little better. Um, We don't have to cover up. We don't have to make excuses. We can just say, you know what? God is at work in my life. And we get the old uh, children's church song, he's still working on me. And man, and and he is. And we, we can move forward with unveiled faces, thinking about his glory, contemplating, looking into his face, thinking about his glory, or being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. This means it just keeps getting better and better and better. That's why we don't have to to put a veil over ourselves. We don't have to grow in our relationship with God in some sort of secret corner. Yes, we don't have everything together yet. Yes, we're not quite perfect yet, but we don't have 
to be embarrassed of that. Like Moses was embarrassed of his glory getting less and less. We can be open about the fact that as we lean into God, we lean into his lordship, then our glory is going to increase. And yeah, we're not where we're going to be, but praise God, we're moving forward. And, and we can embrace that. But it's this place where we all um, have to be able to move forward. And that's we all is important because you and I are called the body of Christ. It, we are referenced as that. And then Paul also writes in other places how, the, how different parts of the body help other parts of the body. Just like your body functions best if it has all of its pieces. There are some parts you can get away with one lung. You can get away with one kidney. You can get away with, with some things that are missing. But all in all, our bodies are designed to work best and ideally with all of its parts functioning and flowing. We can't decide that, you know what, I'm irritated with the rest of this and I'm just going to do my own thing. The heart says, you know what, I'm the only one who pumps around here. I'm tired of it. I'm out. Pop the chest and try to walk. It's not going to go anywhere. It's done. It doesn't work. It has to stay plugged in. Yes, it's the only one pumping. But guess that what? That's its job is to pump. And we have to understand that we grow best when we are in community with one another. Because being in community, being connected with one another is where two wonderful, amazing things happen. The grace of God flows through us to other people. And that is a beautiful, life-giving thing. And But there's also this moment where the grace of God flows to us from other people. And that is a beautiful, life-giving thing. But then there's this third thing that comes about is an awareness of the need for grace. Because as you and I connect with one another and we bump into one another and we have issues with one another, all of a sudden we have an awareness that man, we need God at work in this space. We're not doing this alone. How Cutie and I having seven kids uh, well, we've had, uh, have, yes, we have seven from 26 down to seven years old. Um, and so praise God, our days of potty training are behind us. And so the next potty training are grandkids. And that's where you just say, here's your kid back. And so, and, uh, so the, those, those days, are, our potty training days are ahead. But we've had to potty train um, seven kids and it's stuck with most of them. And so, uh, and so, and, uh, but with, uh, uh, with potty training seven, with potty training seven kids, um, you know, you just, you, it, it's just part of life. You know, there's the joy of them saying their first words. You know, there's the joy of them taking their first steps. There's all of those joys, but guess what? There's the unjoys of being there when the other ends at work. It's just part of it. And you want out of that phase. You just want them to be able to be responsible for that. And I remember a moment when Carson Clark uh, was, uh, who's now an 18-year-old young man, uh, was in the potty training phase. And we had gone through the necessary training with him. And he was in the, he was on the, the little, the big boy potty. And... Uh, Anyways, and so he had been trained, he had been equipped, he had everything he needed at his disposal. 
and we hear this little voice come out of the bathroom. Uh, Daddy, can you help me? And I said, Carson, you know what to do. And he said, Daddy, we're all in this together. <laughs> and so guess what? He, he got the help he was looking for, a little turkey. And so, but the truth is we are all in this together. And we want to be there for the shining moments. We want to be there for all of the glorious moments. But there are some life process moments that we would rather you say, you know what, you go handle that in your own private world and then you come back when, and we'll deal with you when you're a little better. And the body of Christ has been terrible about that. Terrible about that. About saying, you know what, um, you're not kind of on your best moment, you're not kind of on your best game, um, why don't you go over, over there and you need, you need to get fixed. Um, I, th I think you and Jesus need to have a conversation. Um, and sometimes we try to use Jesus as our church nanny and say, uh, Jesus, um, why don't you fix this person? Because I'm having a little problem with them. Um, and the truth is, is every time we go, you people need Jesus, um, it should be a reminder in that moment, if I've lost patience with somebody, I'm the one needing Jesus. And so I'm the one needing to lean in. I'm the one that's needing the grace to be at work. And so many times we want to, to not be a part of the transformation process. If we're going from ever-increasing glory, where we start at this beautiful moment of glory, which is stepping over from death into life. That's amazing that we immediately, as soon as we've placed our faith in Christ, we step over from death into life. We are heaven ready. We are ready to go. We don't spend the rest of our life, our rest of our time in Christ trying to impress God so that somehow he forgives us in the end. We start from forgiveness. Every other, what every other religion is trying to accomplish, we get as a free gift right at the back. And we live in that freedom and live out of that freedom from that point forward. And yeah, do our lives line up with the beauty of Jesus? No. No, they don't. But that's what the Holy Spirit does in us and works in us. And that's where the grace of God working through and around us, that's where we begin to be transformed and things begin to shift and we deal with people. But here's the problem. People are people. And with that, there comes some issues with that. We ended with Galatians chapter one of, of Paul kind of giving a little reminder to the people of Galatia. They knew who he was, but he was reminding them, you know, that he was a guy who once persecuted the church. And then all of a sudden he has this amazing moment where he is, he is radically connected with Jesus. His life has changed and now he is preaching the, preaching the message that he had once tried to destroy, and because of that, people gave glory to God. And that is how chapter one ends. Now, as Paul's writing, he's not numbering and chaptering. It's just a letter, okay? So that flows right into this next idea in Galatians chapter two. It says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, and I took Titus along also. Notice Paul was not a lone ranger. He did not just walk in by himself. Uh, he came in and he tra always traveled with others. He always ministered with others. We see that there's tension 
with people. We, we see at a certain point that there's tension with Barnabas. That, 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 that all of a sudden, things don't always go beautifully and perfect in the relational world. And, and so, and he went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, and he took Titus along also. And I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not or had not run in vain. Here he had already been ministering. He had already been preaching. And so he invited in these others to be able to make sure what was happening was right. He was looking to God first, but allowed God's body to echo that things had functioned well. And as we move down to verse six, and it says, and for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. God doesn't show favoritism, but here's the problem. You and I do. You and I do show favoritism, and we get caught up in this favoritism thing all the time. And one of the things that Paul is trying to address is this tension for us to be, to be swayed by people, for us to be pulled back and forth off of what we know God says is true by people. Paul also writes to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, on the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or for anyone else. We're not, he's like, I'm not even trying to get your approval. I'm just trying to do what God has called me to do. Now, did he love these people? Yes. Did he care about these people? Yes. But he was not trapped in trying to get their approval. Now, some of you don't have this problem. Some of you are like, you don't care what people think. And you are down with that. I have this problem. Um, I do care. I just, it's hardwired into me. Uh, firstborns are often pleasers. And you know, they're the first one. That the kids that follow watch the failures of the first and go, this is hopeless. And so, and they're like, but the firstborn thinks, man, I think I can, I think I can make everybody happy. And the other kids are like, nope, it ain't happening. I ain't gonna waste my breath. And, um, but firstborns are typical, man, I don't like relational tension. I don't like all of that stuff. And so I have had to learn how to, the Holy Spirit has had to teach me how to sit there and trust only in what God is saying. Care about other people, listen to other people's opinions, do what Paul did and allow the body of Christ to weigh in on it. But when it's all said and done, not fall into the trap of trying to make everybody happy because it is a trap. It catches us in the most terrible places. One of the first ones it does is it just, it, it puts us in a place of distractions and, and we should live free from distractions. We should live free from distractions. I've had five kids learn how to drive. And man, as a parent, um, that is one of the freakiest moments is when you let your kid loose on the San Angelo roads in a car. And it is just a 
freaky, freaky moment to be able to do that. You do what you can to train them. You do what you can to those things. And one of the things I tried to make sure we did was eliminate as many distractions as possible. For the first so many months, they could tell you, I don't remember, um, but they could have no radio on at all. One, for the first month, no radio on at all, just them and silence in the car and nobody else in the car, not a sibling. Now, my, we, my kids all went to the same private school together. So even though there was high school, elementary, and junior high, they all went to the same school. It would have been easy for me to say, hey, Keenan, take your siblings to school. Um, but I did not want that pressure on him or the distractions of siblings. So we looked funny that he's driving to school and I'm in the vehicle right behind him with everybody else, and he is all alone in the car. And so they're like, why don't you send your kids? I was like, he just got his license. There is no way. So then it was able, after a month, be able to turn the radio on, one radio station, Air One, that is all. No changing it, no phone, no plugging it in, nothing. If I catch it on a different radio station, mm, you're going to get it. And so, and, uh, and so it was like not not having it was trying to eliminate distractions at one point we do the little caravan where Brooklyn had just got her license Keenan had to go to work directly after school and I'm having everybody else so there's three Clark cars all on the way to school all driving through the light together you're like why are you not letting your kids carpool I'm like no distractions no, it's not happening, and praise God, we've got all of them, and so and it's, it, it won. And so, but distractions come along so easily, and they met, make us miss and miss out on what is right in front of us. What we know is the truth, and all of a sudden, it, it comes along, and, and um, there's a story of uh, this pirate ship. And so, and this pirate ship that was out in the Caribbean, and it would try to, to, uh, to, to stop these ships that... Um, that, you know, that carried all of the, the good loot, you know, the gold, the silver, all of the stuff. And man, they were just having a real bad run of luck. I mean, every, every ship they stopped, it, it was just a, a cargo ship and, and just would have like supplies for farming and that kind of stuff. And, and then they would get frustrated and finally they're like, okay, we're just gonna take these. And, and uh, they were running low on some rum. And so, you know, we'll go to one of these Caribbean ports and we'll trade these farming stuff for some rum. So they load up their pirate ship, go in, dock in this Caribbean port, and the captain, because he doesn't have silver and gold and all that, he's just got this farming stuff, he tells the first mate, he's like, you stay on deck, all of the guys are upset, all of the crew is upset, I've got to go, I've got to work out the best deal I possibly can with this, don't let anybody take anything. And the first mate's like, all right, Captain, and so he's standing on the deck, and sure enough, all of a sudden, uh, one of the guys gets a little restless, and old, <coughs> old uh, uh, Scurvy Jim comes up. And Scurvy Jim's got a wheelbarrow full of uh, wood shavings. It's just piled ridiculously high with wood shavings. So he's coming out on the deck, and he's got, the, he's got his wheelbarrow full of wood shavings, and the first mate says, I come on now, Scurvy Jim. What are you up to? What's all them wood shavings? It's like, I know you're up to something scurvy, Jim, and you're not getting it past me. Dump it out. 
So he dumps out the stuff. <laughs> so he dumps out the stuff. Goes through the wood shavings. It's wood shavings. It's nothing but wood shavings. Says, oh, scurvy Jim, clean up the deck. Get this out of my eye. And carries it. Scurvy Jim cleans it up, goes, gets it off the ship, goes on to the, goes on to the islands, gone for a couple of hours. He comes back, a little wobbly, a little happy, comes back on to the ship. A little bit later, Sees him with another wheelbarrow piled high with wood shavings. He's like, Scurvy Jim, what are you doing with the wood shavings? You're not getting it over on me. Dump it out on the deck. Looks through it. It's just wood shavings. Scurvy Jim, clean up the deck. So he loads it up, goes again. This happens about four times. Finally, Scurvy Jim comes through with a wheelbarrow full of wood shavings. And he's like, ah, I've sailed the seven seas. I've never seen something as ridiculous as this scurvy, Jim. I know you're getting something over on me and I won't tell the captain if you let me in on what's happening. We'll keep it between the two of us. He says, what are you stealing, scurvy, Jim? He says, first mate, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. Sometimes the answer is right in front of us. Other stuff gets piled on, and those, the pile-on always distracts us. The pile-on always distracts us, and the enemy wants to come in and pile on all of this extra stuff and make us miss the truth that we have been given all we need in Christ, and we see this pile-on happening in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, And when Peter came to Antioch, it says, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Now, this is Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter. This is, this is, this is Peter who, who preached this amazing gospel message on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people get saved. This is Peter who has had miracles take place, and Paul is rebuking Peter to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. And we'll see that Peter knew he was clearly in the wrong because I want you to look at Acts chapter 10 before we get on what he was clearly in the wrong about. Acts chapter 10, verse 27, it says, And talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You're all well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit with him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. He has a revelation from God that he should not call any man impure, that, that Gentiles are fine. We can carry the gospel to the Gentiles. Now let's look at Galatians. This happens later. Galatians chapter 12 says, before certain men came from James, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem, where all of, a bunch of the Jews were, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived people who still had a hard time with Gentiles, he began to draw back and to separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. 
all of a sudden now, because of the weight of people, Peter began to act against the revelation God had given him. All of a sudden, all of this extra stuff begins to come in. All of this pressure of people comes in and something God spoke to Peter himself, Peter began to not live out. Folks, when God speaks to your heart and speaks to you, I'm telling you the enemy will come in to try to snatch it away and he will always use the opinion of others to do it. He will always attack it through the opinion of others. He always will. And that's why you have to learn to walk in this place and, and, and make sure that you stay free from the, from the bandwagon effect. There's this stuff that comes along and, and it begins to, to just carry us, carry us around. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, and, and the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by th- their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. He's like, my buddy that I rolled in to Galatia with, that I, that I travel with, all of a sudden, all of this hypocrisy even began to pull Barnabas away. Barnabas began to come aside. He's like, it's infecting everybody. All of this stuff that got piled on, all this extra stuff began to distract and to move them aside, and they began to bandwagon along with Peter. Matthew 21, verse 8 through 9 we see this truth. Jesus was, the, the crowd was so fickle. In Matthew 21, verse 8, says a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and while others cut out branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Man, they are full board. Jesus is it. He's the son of David. He's the king. Hosanna means come save us. Man, they are making a declaration, even a prayer, if you will, that for, the, for salvation for all of Israel. And then we see just a few short days later in Matthew 27, it says, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. The crowd can be singing your praises one day and asking for your death a few days later. We have to sit there and walk with Jesus and let him be our God. Even Peter, even the first century church, we think that normal everyday Christian church problems are, are today's problems. No, they were the same back then. People are people. It's been the same issues Peter got swept into it, and Paul had to rebuke it and call it out and use it as an example for the whole region of Galatia. Peter is being written about, and this, re- this letter was to be read in the whole region, all the churches. Why? Because it was so important. Well, what about Peter's feelings? What about them? We need to not get pulled into this hypocrisy. Everybody still re- respected Peter. Peter didn't get canceled because of his hypocrisy. Peter corrected his hypocrisy. So many often we just want to cancel everything when really there ought to be a moment of correction. The other thing is we need to stay free from spiritual pride. Galatians 2 verse 14 says, I said to Peter in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? 
We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the wheelbarrow. It's faith in Jesus. That is where it's all about. All this other stuff tries to get loaded back in on it. And Peter was living free till all of a sudden it ruffled some feathers. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse eight says, the end of the matter is better than the beginning and patience is better than pride. We need to be ready to walk this out with patience understanding that some of this stuff takes a little bit of time, that if we are gonna be transformed into his image, it takes us a little bit of time. So now that we know what we need to live free from, what should, are we free to do? And that is live by faith. Galatians chapter two, verse 20, 21 says, I've been crucified with Christ. And man, we could spend a whole series on that. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I did not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And that's what the distractions always come at, for us to set aside the grace of God for us to let go of the main thing, what is the source of life, what is life from first to last, the grace of God, that we're not to set aside the grace of God in any shape, form, or fashion. Folks, our bottom line today is this, that where Jesus reigns, freedom remains. That is where the freedom is found, is letting Jesus rule and reign in our hearts and lives as we step into deeper lordship with him, inviting him into the fullness of our lives. And that means our practical lives. That means our relationships, our home relationships, our work relationships. You're like, how can I invite Jesus into my work relationship? My boss doesn't even think there's a God at all. Well, guess what? God thinks there's your boss. Your boss may not believe in God, but God believes in your boss. God designed and cared for and sent his son to die for your boss. Why don't you respond to the boss like Jesus responds to the boss? Why don't you begin to do those different things? You invite him into those spaces. Invite him into those. Invite him into your finances. Invite him into your worldview. Invite him into all those spaces. And as you let him be Lord And his lordship grows over your life more and more and more freedom comes with it. That is where it exists. But this begins by us saying yes to Jesus. By us saying, yes, we need a savior. We need a Lord even. And that Jesus is the only one that will crush us. Jesus is the only one that sets us free. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.